Plug those headphones in. It's time for Ireland's only interactive podcast, the multi-award winning Opinions Matter with Adrian and Jeremy. You're very welcome to this latest Opinions Matter podcast with Adrian Kennedy, recorded at our studio at the White Sands Hotel in Port Marnock in North County, Dublin. If you happen to be out Port Marnock Way, swing by the White Sands Hotel. Uh, I can't recommend the Oasis Bar just below our studio here enough. It really is. It's a lovely bar. It's got a lovely atmosphere. Uh, It's cosy on a cold day. And on a warm day, you can sit outside on the terrace and uh, look at the whole of North Dublin. Uh, Bay. The food is amazing as well. So pop along to um, the White Sands Hotel in Port Marnock. Now, before I let you know what we're going to be talking about on this special edition of Opinions Matter, I want to give a big shout out to our current show sponsor, and that is Land of Light. What is Land of Light? Land of Light is Ireland's biggest light show and it returns to Belvedere House Gardens and Park in County Westmeath on the 10th of November. Prepare to be wowed. Prepare to be amazed. Prepare to be blown away. The Land of Light illuminated walking trail is like nothing else in Ireland. And if you've got kids, you your kids will absolutely love Land of Light. As you make your way along the forest trail, the night sky, trees and buildings are lit up by a spectacular light show. You'll meet Ireland's biggest LED Santa and see his Santa bus and uh, walk the brightest and most colourful dinosaurs and be transported to other worlds with the atmospheric music to complete the scene. As I said, I was there last year and it was amazing. And this year... I'm told by Kevin and the staff at Land of Light that it's going to be bigger and better than last year. A lot more uh, displays, and uh, I'm looking forward to going again. If you would like to get tickets for Land of Light, uh, as I said, it opens November 10th and runs right through to December 23rd. Just visit landoflight.ie. Landoflight.ie. So, what do we want to talk about on this latest Opinions Matter podcast? I'm going to be talking to a man in just a moment who feels like this. To be quite honest with you, Adrian, I feel ashamed. I just, I just constantly feel ashamed. Uh, I've, sorry, just... I, it makes you feel worthless. It makes, it, makes, uh, it questions every aspect of who you believe you are as a man. And who I've always believed I was. But uh, I guess I was wrong. That was Kevin Shanahan, who was described by nurses as the miracle man after surviving being dead for 42 minutes before he was revived after a massive uh, cardiac arrest. He's now found himself in a position of having to launch a fundraiser in order to keep a roof over his head, three years after being dead. This is a shocking uh, story, and one that I hope you can share to your own social media contacts to help this man and his family keep the roof over their head. As I said, his name is uh, Kevin Shanahan, and he joins me on the line. Kevin Let me go back to uh, the start of your uh, story. And before October 2020, what were you uh, working at 
And what were you doing with your life? Right. Well, I'm a dental technician. Um, so I was making dentures. Um, a lot of people might remember me. Did you ever hear the guy that made dentures free for the homeless? Outside I did. The GPO? I absolutely did. That yes, was, that's you. That was me. That was me. So, I mean, I was featured on the Russell Howard show. I was on Clareboard Live twice more than that. I was featured in newspapers in Russia, Slovakia, Lithuania, UK. I was featured on Morning Dose TV in Chicago because I'm the only person in the world that's ever done it. You know. So, what, um, what exactly did you do? Explain it to our listeners who may not be aware of what you did. I went out on the street every Friday night, and I went. The homeless generally go to the GPO where they get food and clothes and stuff like that. So I used to bring my gear in, and I'd take impressions there, bring them back to the lab, make the dentures, and then have them for the following week. Or if it's a full denture, it'd take a couple of weeks, a couple of a couple of visits. So that's that's where I was every Friday night. And then there was about 15 to 20 hours bench time. Um, and I, I paid for the vast majority of the materials myself. So it was good. I'll be honest with you, I really enjoyed it. Um, I did it for about 18 months. And then I couldn't financially do it anymore. It wasn't it wasn't financially feasible anymore. So I had to okay, stop. Okay, but, but during that eighteen months, you would have helped uh, a lot of people who were very down on their luck, who uh, would have had rotten teeth in their head, to uh, basically regain a bit of self confidence by having a new set of teeth, essentially. Well, that's it. I mean, people came to me and they were afraid to smile, and they walked away from me with big smiles on their faces. You know, I remember one girl, uh, it, was, it was coming up to Christmas and bless her, she had, she had problems with drugs and stuff like that and she was there for getting herself clean and her child was with her parents. And because of her past problems, her parents were very dubious about uh, letting her up to the house and she had no teeth at all. So I made her teeth and she it was the first Christmas she'd been asked to go up and visit the family and spend Christmas with the family. And she literally cried and hugged me for about 10 minutes. She couldn't believe it. She walked away with such a smile. It's absolutely incredible. And it's it was so heartwarming for me. It's, I think I was in tears that day, to be honest with you. So it was very rewarding. And that was just a sideline, basically. And that, as you said, that's how some yeah. people may uh, know you as the guy who made uh, dentures for, uh, for the homeless. Uh, but obviously, yeah. alongside that, you had your own job. You're a family man. You've uh, yeah. three kids. And yeah. uh, living a relatively normal life. Yeah, just uh, just normal Joe. Just just basically doing my thing, trying to pay me bills like everyone else, um, and just just trying to be the best person I could be. And unfortunately, that best person you can be came to a shuddering halt in October 2020. And in just a moment, Kevin, I'm going to find out exactly yeah. what happened to you uh, on that fateful day. Um, okay. uh, um, when people hear this story, they won't believe it. Stay there for one second if you can, please, Kevin. Sure. It's yeah. Ireland's no most talked about podcast. The only podcast with live callers and live debates. It's Opinions Matter with Adrian and Jeremy. Oh, land of light, shining bright, lighting up the winter night. Come visit land of light and experience the wonder of a forest walking trail, illuminated in all the colours of the rainbow, and around each bend a new surprise for the eyes. Land of light must at Belvedere House and Gardens, Mullingar. To book, go to landoflight.ie. Land of light, opening Friday, November 10th. It's the Opinions Matter podcast with Adrian Kennedy and Jeremy Dixon. A podcast from Ireland with a difference. So, Kevin, take me back to October 2020. Um, right. Where were you and what happened? 
I was funnily enough, I was in divorce court with with the ex. Um, basically, what happened was we, we were finalising the divorce. We'd been we'd been split in a number of years. Um, she'd moved off on another fella. I was raising the kids. Um, uh, we were finalising the divorce, and the judge sent us into a room and told us to basically thrash out. So I was with my solicitor, figuring out what we would and would not accept. And what he said to me was, I put my hand to my chest and he asked, was I okay? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm okay, I'm okay. And then a few minutes later, I put my hand up, said I can't breathe, and I literally fell on the floor dead. So no heartbeat, no breathing, I was I was gone. Um, now, I've heard recollections from different people of what happened. Um, as far as I heard, my barrister, he's, uh, he's, he's a rugby man. So he knows CPR. He jumped on and he started giving me CPR straight away. And I believe there was a guard involved. I've never managed to track down the guard. So if you're listening and you did do it, thank you so much. You were part of saving my life. Um, it took 17 minutes. I did track down the fire crew. It was A Watch in Fisborough. And I brought them in a few slabs of beer. And I was actually talking to the, the, one of the first responders in the, in the first ambulance that got there. He said they were having a bit of crack going down the keys. Oh, here's another one. Oh, please don't divorce me. And getting taken away to the hospital. But he said, I took one look at you and I called everyone. Um, he said, I had advanced paramedics there, the mobile doctor, full fire crew. He said he had to use, I was that bad, he had to use battlefield techniques on me, which was drilling a hole into the front of your leg, injecting direct into the bone marrow. Um, yeah, so it, it's I was pretty badly messed up. The you, CPR, you, you were dead for forty-two minutes. Yeah. yeah, I was originally seventeen before the fire crew arrived, and it took them another twenty-five to bring me back. So in total, forty-two. Yeah. Now you've been so. described by uh, nurses who uh, tended to you as the miracle man. That's right. But that's an understatement. Actually, that is an understatement. Yeah. The fact that oh, I know you. Yeah. Um, it took paramedics 42 minutes to uh, revive you. You were essentially yeah. uh, dead for that time. Yeah. Um, that's almost unheard of. I'd say it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Um, what saved my life, and listen, Adrian, I'd like everyone to know, learn CPR because it's so vital. Um, when you give someone CPR, you're preserving the brain. And if I hadn't got CPR straight away, I would be gone. I, I would be dead. I'd, I'd be finished. Um, so it, what it does is it keeps pump, pumping oxygen to the brain. So you're preserving the brain and you're preserving, you're minimizing the damage that can happen so that when emergency crews do get there, that they actually have the medications, they can help, they have the expertise. Um, so I'd advise everyone to get to, to get lessons in CPR. It is really so vital and it, it can save a life. And I'll, I'll give you another story, Adrian. About eight years ago, the local spar. Um, I went in and the doors were locked and I know I know them well and I said what's wrong and they said so, someone has collapsed someone has died so I said I'm, I'm forced out trying to let me in so I gave her CPR for 14 and a half minutes and it's the most exhausting and emotional thing you'll ever do because when you're given CPR what they don't tell you is you can feel the ribs pop it, it, it actually feels like a pop as they break but you can't stop because if you're not if you're not feeling ribs break, you're not doing CPR correctly. Um. So yeah. Anyway. So you they, you you ended up in hospital, and as the yeah. the thumbnail on this podcast will uh, show our listeners, you were 
very, very seriously uh, ill after being revived. Take me through that journey, yeah. what that was, what that was like, and when you first became aware of what had happened to you. Right. It's it's my memory has actually gone from three days before my last memory is of the Sunday night and the cardiac arrest uh, happened on the Wednesday. So obviously my my brain compartmentalized because it was so traumatic and just has, has put it away somewhere because I'm completely black for about two weeks. Um, about three days after the coma, my memory starts coming back. Actually, my first memory. And it's it's literally in, in just the cloud. It's it's get the catheter removed, believe it or not. But uh, and then I'm in blackness then for another three days, and then it starts to come back. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I was absolutely terrified. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know what I was doing there. I didn't know what had happened. I didn't know why I was in so much pain. Um, like I had this when you give CPR, as I said, you break ribs. But they put me on the Lucas machine, which is it's like a hundred. A, hydraulic arm that straps to the stretcher and it just keeps CPR going while they're getting you into hospital. Um, so I had a broken sternum and basically most of the front of my chest caved in. So I was dealing with buckets of broken ribs, broken sternum. So I was on huge doses of morphine. I had a mild brain injury, um, which gave me mental delusions and then the morphine didn't help. That just exacerbated the paranoia and delusions. So I was constantly terrified I was constantly confused, uh, frustrated, because it, it, my brain couldn't comprehend what was going on because I couldn't stand up. So I had to kind of learn how to get balance again and learn how to walk again. Um, I, I didn't know how to use a phone. Um, Kat, my partner, she actually gave me my phone after about three days, three or four days after coming around. And uh, she was she showed me the text she got, and it's literally just buckets of numbers and and letters, because I didn't know how to text. But it, it obviously made complete sense to me. Um. So anyway, I was in I was in hospital, and the paranoid delusions were uh, they were crazy. I mean, and it's so it's, crazy, I believe that um you fled the hospital. I did, yeah. I did. I actually fled it twice. It's it's only after I finished the book, a friend of mine told me I was a week in hospital and I rang him and I told him to meet me in the petrol station in the Fox Hunter that I was on my way home. And he was going, what? You, you can't be on your way home. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm on my way. So uh, he sat in the petrol station for an hour and 40 minutes with his son and then eventually rang the hospital and they said, no, he did escape, but he's back. We have him back. But the second time, it was about it was about eleven o'clock or, or quarter past eleven at night. I actually handed in a letter discharging myself because I thought, and this is how bad I was. There was a, a lovely guy in the in the room next to me, and he was waiting on a heart transplant. And my brain had fully convinced me that they were only keeping me alive to give my heart to him. You know, so it's it's kind of. So I handed them the, the letter, uh, discharged myself, and I walked out. And of course, the nurses were in a flap. There was, there was absolute mayhem. Um, they were ringing Kat, my partner. She was home here with a five and a half month old. And uh, she was saying, like, what do you expect me to do? Because she had warned them. It was in the middle of COVID, and she had warned them, if you don't let, me, if you don't let someone from the family in to see Kevin, he will discharge himself. He will leave. There's a, there's no two ways about it. And I ended up doing that. But I got outside about quarter past 11 and two security guards stopped me. 
And of course, I was weak as a kitten. And of course, I'm telling the security guard, get out of my way or I'll put you down. And a big, brave talk, but I wasn't capable of anything, to be honest. You know, I'm an ex-motorcycle courier, so I know Dublin well. Uh, so I walked out into what, what was Eccles Street. But I hadn't got a clue where I was. I might have been walking out into the middle of New York. Mm. And instead of turning left or Dorset Street, I obviously went straight or turned right. Because the next message uh, Kat got off me, I actually rang her at about quarter past one. And I was in a taxi on the M4. So I have no idea what I did for them two hours. I was obviously just walking around aimlessly looking for the taxi. Um, so I got home here and I actually spent a couple of nights sleep with an arm, arm bar beside me in case the doctors came to take my heart. Wow. It, yeah, cra- it's, it's absolutely crazy. Crazy. And this is all as a direct result of um, being dead for 42 minutes, essentially. That it, um, right. it yeah. really, messed, yeah. uh, really messed up your, 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 your body. And you're still to yeah. this day um, suffering as a result of what happened. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's in February 22, I was getting some chest pains. And I mean, I have chest pain constantly because, because my me, me chest was so broken. I, I do have chest pain constantly um, and I have lower back pain constantly as well. But um, I went in February 22 and got all the tests done. 20, I think it was 24, 25 hours later, a cardiologist came downstairs and said, no, we can't find anything wrong with you. We think you're on too many medications. Now, we did say there was troponin in my blood and I did question on that because troponin in your blood is a, it's a sign of, of cardiac damage actually happening. He said, no, no, new protocols. We allow a small bit of troponin. So I kind of went, okay. So he's, I was on a tablet Trigachlor once in the morning, once at night and an aspirin for thinning the blood. So he said, stop the two trigger claw. And I said, should I not stop one and then stop the other one in a couple of months? He says, no, no, stop both. You'll be fine. So that's grand. Four weeks later, I had a massive heart attack in my kitchen in March 22. And had another trip in, in an ambulance back to uh, back to hospital. It turned out that I found out afterwards that one of the stents they put in, the original cardiac arrest, uh, one of the stents had blocked up. So it was, it was only the the blood thinners that were actually keeping me going. So I had another bang in March 22. That was that was a, a serious one. So I spent another week in hospital. And I get out of hospital after a week. And we, about a week, week and a half, I got a letter from the four courts stating that my divorce had gone through while I was in hospital and that I had 12 weeks to vacate. So I spent the next 10 or 12 weeks writing submissions. I defended myself, writing plenaries, writing pleadings, writing affidavits in and out to the the High Court Central Office two, three times a week. Um, and this was literally a week and a half after, after a major heart attack. And when you, so sorry, when next, you say you, you, you were told to vacate, vacate what? My home. Why? Because uh, nobody was there to defend me. My solicitor took himself off the case because he figured that it would be adjourned if I had known in the court. But no, it was it was pushed through and uh, with without a chance for me to speak for myself. So as I say, went back to the high court um, and fought that through. And in my mind, I won uh, because, as I said, I was the one who raised the kids and um, I was the one who had them here with me. So I basically won that case. Now she did get a, a, a small. Uh, a small amount awarded 
Um, so yeah, that that was that was basically it. So uh, yeah, and I've been I've been trying to work the whole time. Um, the social welfare is really going to is really going to mess your head up because I'm, I'm completely baffled. At okay, the whole, we're we're going to hear that story in a minute. We're going to find out where you yeah. are today, and why. Physically. And why you are at risk of uh, losing your family home that you fought for, as you just explained, um, yeah. in in a matter of weeks, and how, and I I know this is a pride thing for you, but how you have yeah. been forced back into a corner to basically have to allow a friend of yours to set up a GoFundMe page to help yeah. you stay in your home, and I'm going to hear that whole story from you, Kevin, in just a yeah. second. Stay there. Voted no Irish Current Affairs Podcast of the Year. It's Opinions Matter with Adrian and Jeremy. Oh, land of light shining bright, lighting up the winter night. Come visit land of light and experience the wonder of a forest walking trail illuminated in all the colours of the rainbow and around each bend a new surprise for the eyes. Land of light is at Belvedere House and Gardens, Mullingar. To book, go to landoflight.ie. Land of light, opening Friday, November 10th. Opinions Matter. Opinions Matter. With Adrian Kennedy and Jeremy Dixon. A daily podcast from Ireland about opinions. So, Kevin, you fought to maintain your family home. You were fighting with your health. You've been uh, fighting with welfare over uh, getting welfare. Describe to me what has happened in in all those regards in the last uh, year and a half. Right. Well, social welfare. I originally, when I after the cardiac arrest, I was getting two hundred and fifty for a COVID payment. So I just, I just let that run. It was enough to pay for food and pay for nappies and stuff like that. Didn't pay anything else, but it was enough. And Cat's family have been absolutely incredible. I mean, they have Tony, Marie, Ash, Sam. They've all helped money. They've all helped physically. They've, they, they've just helped so much. They've been such support. I have friends out there who've been loaning me money for the last three years. Um, actually, I owe a fortune, but uh, it's it needs most. And I know I'm good for it. When I do actually get back to health, I will. I will pay them all back. Um. The bit with the social welfare is, it's, I'm I'm still completely baffled, and anyone I've told is completely baffled. Uh, when the COVID payment stopped, I sent in a disability benefit form because, as I said, I'm crippled with chest pain and back pain. Um, the right side of my shoulder and my neck keeps locking up. Uh, so yeah, it's it ain't easy, but you know what? You keep going. Um, so work was not easy. Now I've I've taken on what I've what I can. I've I've informed disability of that. Um, I, I do what I can to try and pay something. Um, but disability told me after a few months that I'd no claim in. Now I sent the claim in, but they said I'd no claim in. Now this this was my inexperience with social welfare. I've never had social welfare, so it's I didn't send a registered post. So of course they can say they didn't get it, and mm-hmm. that's they're within they're within the rights to do that. So again, after a heart attack in twenty two. Um, I sent in another disability benefit form um, and again, wait months and months. And the thing about ringing social welfare during COVID, you don't get an answer for weeks. You have to keep trying and trying and trying. And then eventually I got an answer and was told that uh, you don't have a claim in yet again. So I'm very pissed off at this stage. Understandably. Um, Oh, yeah. So I'm frustrated and pissed off because nobody seems to want to help. And to be honest with you, Adrian, 
I I was really badly in need. I still am in need of help. Um, so again, they told me I'd no claim in. So I went to a guy, he goes around CASP and aware in all these places, helping people fill in social welfare forms. I thought there might be something I was doing wrong because, again, as, as I said, inexperience. Um, so he filled it all in. I gave him just at some of my medical uh, my medical records. I mean, my medical records are like like a phone book. Um, so he sent he sent it in, and that was last February. Waiting months and months and months and months, nothing. So I contacted a local TD here, and she said, "Oh no, I'll deal with this. I'll deal with this." Two weeks later, I got a phone call stating that uh, from her secretary saying that no, you don't have a claim in. Again, and it wasn't me that sent it in this time. It was a guy who works for social welfare. He sent it in. So they're obviously just denying my claim so this for some is, reason. This is the third time you've put in a claim for uh, disability. Yeah. You are a man yeah. who was uh, essentially dead, but was brought back to life, yeah. suffered a subsequent yeah. uh, heart attack a year and a half ago, and uh, for some bizarre reason, your claims keep disappearing. Yeah. I'll give you another one as well. When I eventually did talk to someone from disability, she told me I probably didn't qualify and I should go down to social welfare in Minute and apply for social welfare. So I did. I went down to social welfare and funnily enough, they told me I wasn't well enough to receive social welfare. Oh my God. So I contacted the relieving officer. You know, it's a very unfortunate name for a man, isn't it? Relieving officer. But, uh, he, he contacted him, he got in touch with me a couple of days later, and he said, you've a uh, tax return outstanding, so I can't help you. I said, what do you mean you have a tax return outstanding? I think it was 2019, 2020, of course, in COVID. Um, the time I was dead, no money, can't pay an accountant to do it. So he said, no, no. I said, well, I can't afford to pay an accountant. I said, what am I supposed to do? He said, I don't know. He said, but I can't help you. So then I was left in limbo. I was refused sick benefit because I was self-employed and they don't pay sick benefit to people who are self-employed. I was ignored three times disability benefit. Um, I was refused social welfare because I wasn't well enough for it. And the relieving officer refused to help because I can't afford to send in a tax return. Now, the tax returns have gone in since. Right. And then to add insult to injury, uh, your child has been refused uh child benefit this is this is a really strange story Willow is three now and uh, she was getting child benefit so when I had the heart attack in March Kat got a letter from them stating that they wanted evidence that she was in the country I mean she's two she doesn't have a passport where is she going to go so she rang them and asked them what they needed they said they needed a letter from a crash. so we couldn't afford a crash, so she wasn't in a crash. They said, well, a letter from your doctor. So uh, she's not sick. She doesn't go to the doctor. So um, they said they basically cut, they cut off her children's allowance in July 22. Um, now, Faye... Sorry, cut, uh, cut uh, off her, child, uh, her children's allowance? Uh, I've, yeah, they cut off, they cut I've off, never heard of a off. child having children's allowance cut off. Yeah, they cut off our child benefit in July 22, and we haven't had a penny since. Um, Faye, who is now, she'll be two next week, she still hasn't got a PPS number. Now, I have rang the PPS hotline, 
they tell you to, they don't deal with it anymore to ring the central line. You ring the central line. And again, it's weeks and weeks and weeks of phoning before you get an answer. The central line told me, no, we don't deal with that. You have to go back to the PPS number. So back to the PPS number I went. Um, they tried to divert me to the central line again. I said, no, no, hang on a second. No, I said, you've already sent me to the central line. They've sent me back to you. She said, okay, well then go into social welfare in Maynooth and they'll issue a PPS number there and then. Brilliant. I actually had something I could go with. So I went up with social welfare in Maynooth and she told me she wasn't registered. I said, I have her birth cert here. No, 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 she's not registered. You'll have to go to NACE BERT registrations. So went from there to BERT registrations. BERT registrations said, there she is. She's on the system. He was very perplexed. He couldn't understand why she couldn't see her on the system. Um, couldn't understand why she wasn't getting child benefit. So he handed me a phone number. He said, give them a ring. Guess what number it was? The PPS hotline. Nice. So at that stage. <laughs> and I, I, are you still place. going around in that vicious circle? Yeah. Still haven't got a PPS number for for FA. Still haven't got children's allowance for either of them. So neither of them are, are in receipt of child benefit. Um, Willow since July 2022 and Faye since she was born. That is unbelievable. And then on top of that, uh, you still have not gotten any help from the state in terms no. of uh, disability or illness benefit? Nothing, not a penny, not a penny. And I just, I, I was going to go to the ombudsman and I looked online. You have to have a, a claim from the appeals office and exhausted all the appeals before you're allowed to go to the ombudsman. And to go to the appeals office, you have to have a claim number from social welfare. So they shut down that whole line that could be used just by denying you a claim number. So you can't go to the appeals office without a claim number, and you can't go to the ombudsman without an appeals number. So it's it, the whole system shuts itself down by social welfare refusing to give you a claim number. So how are you surviving? How I'm surviving is I'm still doing a bit of work. Um, I've, I've never denied that. I told disability I was doing I was doing what I can. I can't do as much because literally, when I when I what I would have done in an hour or two before the cardiac arrest, it takes me two salpidol. They're not salpidine, the prescription salpidol, two salpidol, um, to do what I would have done in an hour or two. It takes me four or five hours. And then I have to lie on the floor to try and stretch me back out and stretch my chest out. And then two more salpidol to try and recover. So that's that's the way I'm working at the minute. Um, I'm getting, I'm getting, I am getting some money in. I mean, as I said, I'm paying for light and I'm paying for heat. I'm not paying my mortgage, not paying any luxuries, nothing like that at all. I'm still borrowing money off Kat's parents. I'm still borrowing money off friends. I mean, the amount is just going up and up and up. Um, and I'll be honest with you, Adrian, all I wanted was six to 12 months to give me a fucking break to actually heal. Which you, you still ha which you still haven't done. You're still no, I haven't. suffering um, from your illness. Uh, three years yeah. ago, that um, yeah. cardiac arrest, arrest happened. So I, I, I guess where you're coming from. I, I, I get that you, you need to switch off. You need to let your body uh, heal. You don't need to uh, be working essentially because you are being forced yeah. to work because the state isn't giving you any help. And then, as we said, to yeah. add insult to injury, uh, you're not even getting child benefit for the kids. So tell me yeah. about uh, the situation with uh, your home, because 
when I saw your story, Kevin, and I, I realized everything yeah. that you've gone through and then discover yeah. that you are at risk of being homeless within yeah. the next couple of weeks. Tell me how that, how yeah. you've gotten there. Right, how I've gotten there, it's a combination of two things. It was the award given to the ex-wife in court, and it's also the bank. Um, I'm with Pepper, which is a vulture fund, and, and they have given me a bit of space, but I'm in court proceedings now with them. Um, I have uh, the divorce settlement to pay the ex, um, so it, it's kind of it's a combination of the two and I literally could not afford to keep up the mortgage I've I've kept contact with the banks but it's kind of it's worn thin with them now and they're just going to say no we're done so that's that's basically it I have till the 21st of October which is funnily enough the third anniversary of my cardiac arrest wow I want to find out uh, in just a second from you, uh, Kevin, how people can help. And I know um, when we were talking off air, you, you were saying that it took a lot for you to go public, basically, and basically ask for uh, help. I want to find out about your book and your GoFundMe page, and we'll find out about both of them in just a minute. It's Ireland's most talked about podcast. The only podcast with live callers and live debates. It's Opinions Matter. With Adrian and Jeremy. Oh, land of light shining bright, lighting up the winter night. Come visit Land of Light and experience the wonder of a forest walking trail, illuminated in all the colours of the rainbow, and around each bend, a new surprise for the eyes. Land of Light is at Belvedere House and Gardens, Mullingar. To book, go to landoflight.ie. Land of Light, opening Friday, November 10th. It's the Opinions Matter podcast with Adrian Kennedy and Jeremy Dixon. A podcast from Ireland with a difference. So, Kevin, tell me about uh, the first bit of fundraising that you did for yourself, which was uh, to write a book which is called The Miracle Man. Yeah, it's, it, I, I had intended to write a book. Um, I'm, I'm very, a very inspirational type of person. and I, I mean, I have a huge amount of knowledge of healing through nutrition, and I give people diets free of charge to, to try and help them heal ailments and stuff like that. Um, so the book was, it was to describe exactly what happens to your body after a cardiac arrest. And I, I go into every detail. I go into the physical damage. I go into erectile dysfunction. I go into emotional damage, psychological damage. I go into everything. I don't, I mean, I'm not the type of person that hides anything. I've been dead. Nothing, nothing much worse can happen than that. Um, so it's, it's, I, I go into all that in detail. And the reason I detail it is because I want other people who are in the same, same circumstances, might be cardiovascular disease, might be prostate problems. And might, it could be anything, could be cancer. That It's not the end. It's not the end. You can either let the illness own you or you can try and overcome the illness. And that, that's the kind of aspect I wanted to take with the book. Um, so it's, it's, I, I kind of had to rush, write it. So I missed an awful lot of stuff out that could have been in it. The book could have been so much more, but it's it is what it is, and it's 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 the most absurd three years read you'll ever read in your life. But uh, so uh, so I, we start with the book, and that that was your first attempt to basically try yeah. to to raise some money. Um, yeah. How has the book gone? Yeah. You know what? It's slow because I'm not very tech savvy, and I have a couple. Of, my daughter, one of my daughters, has helped me with um, with uh, social media stuff like that. A very good friend of mine, Philip Wall, built a website for me. 
Um, so the book is available on that. The, the website is suddencardiacarrest.ie with no spaces. Um, and the book I did, I read the audio version myself, so it's narrated by the author. Um, and the readable version is there as well. well and and again, uh, uh, this is available, as you said, on suddencardiacarrest.ie. Um, and yeah. it's it's only one ninety nine, so it's not going to break the bank. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I wanted to keep it. I wanted to keep it cheap because number one, I needed volume sales. Number two, I don't, I, I don't want to take too much money from people, and the, I felt good about this because I was giving something back for people giving me money. Hmm. Okay, I'm, so that's the first yeah. way you've uh, you've tried to uh, make a few bob, essentially. Uh, SuddenCardiacArrest.ie is the website, and you can buy either the audio book of Miracle Man for one ninety nine, yeah. or you can buy the uh, actual book for one ninety nine as well, which is fantastic. But as you said yeah. yourself, and this is where the the crisis kicks in, uh, Kevin. Um, time is not on your side here in terms. Of, of saving your home. So uh, with that in mind, a friend of yours uh, put together a GoFundMe page and it's called Help a Fantastic Man Save His Family Home. Now, on that uh, fundraiser organised by your friend uh, Scott, you need to raise a significant amount of money. Yes, I do. I need to raise 35000 Um I think, as I said, at the minute with with uh, book sales, with donations off the, the website, uh, donations, um, the GoFundMe, and I, I've taken on extra work now. I'm absolutely exhausted. <laughs> You've no idea how tired I am. Um, I think I've raised about 12500 so far, so I'm still 22500 short and less than two weeks to do it. Okay, so that's why we're talking to you today, uh, because yeah. I, I, as I said, your your story, uh, you know, alone, uh, what happened to you back in uh, twenty twenty, being dead for forty two minutes, you shouldn't even be talking to me now. You should, uh, no, I shouldn't. You should be six foot under, and you know that, and everybody knows that. Yeah. Uh, but you're not, and you're here. But the whole yeah. system is conspiring against you, basically, and not making yeah. your recovery or your life an easy life. That's, that's exactly how it feels. It, you know what? You get to a point, I know, I know the system is messed up, Adrian. I know it is, but you get to a point where you kind of go, like, what the fuck have I done? You know what I mean? What the hell? What, every avenue I've tried, I, it's, it's like people are sneering at you and smiling at you and go, no, no, you don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. And the whole system makes you feel like an absolute beggar. It makes you feel like a low life. And that's, I've been always a man who stood me on two feet, paid me way, looked after me family. Um, and I've never had to ask anyone for help. I've always been the person who gave help and never thought twice about it. But now it's kind of, I have to say, it's been a very, very humbling experience because uh, I've I've literally had to ask everyone for help. I've, I'm, and I'm still asking everyone for help. I'm still... And how does that, how does that feel, uh, Kevin? Even Even to do... An interview like this uh, with me today, which is ultimately, uh, you know, the the aim of this interview is to let people know about the fundraising, to let people know about the book, to let people know that they can help you. What does that feel like, though, for you having to do that, finding yourself in a position of having to do that? To be quite honest with Adrian, I feel ashamed. I just, I just constantly feel ashamed. I feel... 
Uh, sorry, just I. It makes you feel worthless. It makes it makes uh, it questions every aspect of who you believe you are as a man, um, and who I've always believed I was. But uh, I guess I was wrong. And I can so, yeah. I, I, I can feel even talking to you that this having to ask for uh, help is making you a proud man feel like a beggar with a bowl. Basically, yeah, yeah, that's basically it in a nutshell. Which yeah, is somewhere no. I'm sure you never saw yourself being. That's you know what, Adrian. It's very very hard to accept. So I don't think I'll ever accept it. Um, yes, I accept that. Some I had a serious medical issue, and yes, I accept that. Uh, serious dereliction of duty on on behalf of social welfare and complete neglect from from government and social welfare. But uh, still, as I said, I've always been a proud man. I've always stood me on two feet, and I think I think the fact that I am that kind of person is why I've come so far as I am today and I'm still I'm improving every day and I'm going to get better and I'm going to get better than I ever was um, this is not going to stop me social welfare's attitude is not going to stop me government neglect is not going to stop me I'm going to keep going and I've lost a few battles but I'm not going to win the war. I'm not going to lose the war Again as you said in the next uh, couple of weeks before the 21st of October 2023 you need to raise 35 grand to save your family home Uh, save your family home which is in peril essentially because of what you've been through because of your uh, severe illness because you were dead because you had a second heart attack all of these things have all um, gathered steam to the point that you risk losing your family home uh, in a couple yep. of weeks' time. So if yeah, anybody exactly. is in a position uh, to help, the GoFundMe page is called Help a Fantastic Man Save His Family Home. Uh, you can also uh, buy Kevin's book, uh, which is available on suddencardiacarrest.ie. It's only two quid. Like, it's not going to break the bank. So if you can help in any of those uh, ways, uh, please do. Once again, the GoFundMe, and we'll put up links for it as well on social media. Help a fantastic man save his family home. And it was set up by um, Kevin's friend, uh, Scott. Kevin, I have to say, uh, the last 24 hours I've been reading a lot about your story. I've been, you know, paying, uh, reading a lot of articles and uh, reading through the book and everything else. Most of us, well, I would have given up at this stage. I admire your tenacity. I admire your your continuing fight, and all the while, still battling your health issues. Yeah, it's well. I had a choice: give up or keep going. And I was never one to give up. I always fight. I always keep going, and I keep moving forward. At the end of the day, I'm I'm responsible for teaching my kids that no matter what happens you keep moving you keep going no matter how bad things get you don't quit you don't give up and that's that's just who I am and it's, I'll never change that and I, I will keep going What do you want to say uh, finally Kevin to people who have either donated a few bob or bought the book uh, so far uh, or who having listened to this podcast are thinking of, of giving you a, a few bob to help you on your way 
what do you want to say to those people? I just want to thank you so much. Um, you've no idea how much what you're doing is helping. I mean, it's uh, it's one ninety nine. It's it's two euro. It's it doesn't sound like a lot, and you think that uh, it's only two euro. What difference will that make? Every single two euro is making a difference. Every single two euro, and I don't know you, but thank you so much from the bottom of my heart, from from me, and from my family, because you're helping me get out of a shithole that I don't deserve to be in. Kevin, uh, I really wish you uh, the very best uh, with uh, everything. My regards to uh, your partner, Kat, and your uh, your kids. And I've my fingers and toes crossed that you will uh, reach that goal and enable yourself to stay in that home. And I also have my fingers crossed that um, welfare will actually get the finger out, uh, give your kids the, ch- the children's allowance that they're legally entitled to, and give you some help to take the pressure off you having to uh, work as much as you uh, have to while still battling uh, chronic health conditions. Kevin, uh, you have my utmost admiration for even talking publicly like this uh, on the Opinions Matter podcast today. Adrian, thank you so much. You've no idea how much I appreciate you putting this out there. It's going to help me so much. And thank you for taking taking the time to speak to me. Kevin, thanks very much indeed for uh, talking to us. And that was uh, Kevin Shanahan. And uh, once again, if you uh, would like to support the GoFundMe, uh, you just search, go on to GoFundMe.ie or .com, should I say, and search for Help a Fantastic Man Save His Family Home. On our social media, I'll uh, put up links for that. Or you can buy uh, Kevin's book, which is called Miracle Man, which is what the nurses called him in the hospital because he survived being dead for 42 minutes. Um, The book is only two quid and it's available on suddencardiacarrest.ie. And that's it from this special edition of Opinions Matter. We don't often uh, do a single issue uh, podcast like this, but uh, as I said, when I heard Kevin's story, it compelled me to uh, produce a special edition podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you can give uh, Kevin a little bit of a dig out. If you enjoyed this latest Opinions Matter podcast, please share it onto your own social media uh, channels. Uh, Also, click subscribe or follow. Click on the little bell icon on Spotify and that way you'll be notified each and every time we upload a new podcast. I'm Adrian Kennedy. Thank you very much indeed for listening to this latest Opinions Matter. Catch you on the next one.